Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again in the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pistolka. And with me today, I have none other than Nathan Hirsch, the CEO of Ecom Balance, Accounts Balance, and Outsource School. Welcome, Nathan. Thanks so much for having me. Good to be here. And hello, everyone on LinkedIn. Yes, yes. Well, Nathan, let's let's start back a little bit. Whenever we're on, on the face of business, we like you're an entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur. I mean, you got several. I'll just say several businesses that you've started, sold, and different things like that. So let's start back because you know you look in your profile. And today we're going to be talking about scaling and selling e-commerce businesses. Well, you you haven't specifically sold the e-commerce business. You definitely have scaled some. You've worked with them a lot with your your um, e-com balance and other things. Let's go back and just talk about you had a business where you were selling online and Amazon, correct? Correct. I started that in 2008, 2009, the, the super early Wild Wild West days of Amazon. Yes, that's why I wanted to talk about it because we had it, it just a little bit. I, mean, I know you're not probably currently heavily involved in selling on Amazon today, but let's just talk a little bit about that because sellers today, because that was 14, 13, 14 years ago now, man, that had to be a different place. Yeah. I mean, there was no one there and there was no one, there were no communities. So there were no courses, consultants, Facebook groups. Um, there weren't like how to sell on Amazon manuals or anything. And you kind of opened up a seller account. Amazon had a few rules. You tried to follow them to the best of your ability. And there was no PPC either. So you'd list products yeah. or go on other people's products and um, just whatever traffic Amazon would send your way, you, you do it. And um, I mean, on even keywords, like no one really knew anything about keywords. So you just kind of guess and put stuff in listings and it, there was no like Helium 10 or tools to track the best keywords or, or anything like that. So um, it was definitely a different time. I had to be one of the first um, a thousand drop shippers on Amazon. When I started, um, I didn't even know it was called drop shipping and, until years later. And I just, I was selling textbooks and I doing okay, but I got a, a cease and desist letter from my college <laughs> telling me to, to knock it off and stop competing with their bookstore. So I had the, this Amazon account that I was selling some books on and had some positive feedback. And I started just experimenting, selling other products. And until one day I had this idea, what if I built relationships with people that made products and didn't know Amazon, didn't know e-commerce, and I didn't really have a lot of money or anywhere to, to store inventory. And I would give them my credit card and they'd keep it on file and I'd get the sales on Amazon and email them the order and they'd ship it where I told them to. And that was our relationship. And over time we built my business partner, Connor, and I uh, built relationships with hundreds of U.S. manufacturers, just drop shipping toys, baby products, home goods. Yeah. And that's really how we got everything off the ground. That's that's such an awesome story because it is. It was, like you said, the Wild West days. You really didn't know people that's 
the manufacturers didn't know or distributors didn't know about drop shipping and it, it was so new. Uh, so in those early days, what were some of the lessons learned? Some of the things that you went, this is pretty cool. This, this kind of stinks. What, what were some of the things that you learned during that time? Yeah. I mean, so originally we were drop shipping from this one manufacturer and we were killing it. 99% of our orders were from them. Um, good margins. We were the only people really selling their products. And I remember going on vacation and the, this manufacturer decided to drop us and, and go directly to Amazon themselves. And our entire business was put into this one manufacturer. And we, at the time we, we thought we were on top of the world. We were in college making more money than any college kids should. And the yeah. business was taking off and boom, we lost our, our biggest supplier. So that kind of took us a step back and we learned a, a very valuable lesson about diversification and and, and build relationships with, with hundreds of manufacturers. Um, the other thing is we learned that college kids were very unreliable. We were hiring a lot of kids to do customer service and fill orders and, and all the stuff that goes into an e-commerce business. And it, it was very frustrating. They weren't motivated. They were drinking on yeah. the job or, or whatever it was. So that's kind of how we got into the world of virtual assistants and freelancers. A buddy of mine told me that you could hire VAs in the freelancer in the, in the Philippines that would um, be very loyal to you. And, and that, that we built what we called our army of VAs for our Amazon business. And that's what took us into our next company free up, which is a, a marketplace for freelancers and VAs. Cause we got in that space and got really good at hiring and built a lot of e-commerce VAs and freelancers, which was very rare at the time. Now there's a lot of e-commerce service providers that that wasn't the case back in 2013, mm -hmm. 14, 15. Well, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this because you've really followed the path of, of continuing to innovate, continuing to develop business solutions around e-commerce and around the challenges of e-commerce sellers. And, you know, free up, I think is a great example. And, you know, a lot of our clients that are e-commerce clients are using, using, help from around the globe to, to do what they need to do, virtual assistants. And I mean, even now you can get uh, people that are, are really good, like category managers and everything else um, through your, um, through these kind of, these kind of services or, or even direct in some cases, if you're the right thing. So what, what did that really teach you? Because when you're trying to manage a workforce so to say even though they're they're outside virtual assistants or what what were some of the things that you really found was beneficial and some of the things that were challenging for you as you're doing that yeah i mean we learned a lot about just culture and working with people mm -hmm. from different cultures and um having both culture inside our business but also working with people from different cultures um we learned a lot about just communication and how to give clear direction and get on the same page quicker and and what to look for in someone because what you have to realize is we were 2021 when we hired our first employee so we had no idea what we were doing we there was no manual it's one of the reasons yeah. why we own a company outsource school today that gives people our interviewing and onboarding process because we, we had no idea what we were doing and we made bad hires. So we learned how to look for not just skill, but attitude and communication and people who are going to devote themselves to the business and wanted to be a part of it and wanted to see the business grow. And with both the Amazon business and free up, we, we built such a good core group of people. And even now with outsource, with uh, outsource school and econ balance of VAs that, that, just care about outdoor school and econ balance and free up so much. Like we sold free up in 2019 
and our internal team still works there. And we made sure that the people we sold it to are going to take good care of them. When we sold yeah. the company, we, we gave 500,000 to our team in the Philippines and made sure they were taken care of. Um, but yeah, it's all about treating people well and retention. And we learned in those early years, turnover just crushes businesses and sets you back and gets in the way of, of everything that you want to do in life. Yeah, that's one that's just 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 soak that in a second with what everybody's dealing with now. Turnover can crush businesses. It's it's uh, so important to make sure that you have the right people on the team and and treating them right. That's for sure. Good, good. So as you as you did this, now you're you then you started outsource school because it was kind of a natural. You know, we've we've stubbed our toe a few times. So what what did you learn when you when you went in and really started outsource school and, and did what were some of the things that you thought was were, was interesting about it? And because that's kind of a it's a different thing, you know, because the sourcing people is one thing. But then when you're training, that's a whole nother kind of product you're selling on online. Yeah. So we've never trained other people's VAs like free, free up was a marketplace. We provided pre-vetted VAs, but we didn't train them. And outsource school is more on how to hire great VAs and, and how to train them. Although we do provide um, a lot of our SOPs, but the, the real story is, I mean, we sold free up in November, 2019. It was life-changing. The mm -hmm. original plan was to take a few years off. I didn't think I would see my business partner, Connor. I thought he'd just be traveling the world. And a few months later, the pandemic hit. We were kind of in a, a weird spot where we were stuck at home with nothing to do, no business to run and couldn't travel or, or really do anything. And so that one of our, our buddies reached out to us and said, hey, why don't you start a course on hiring? And we'd never built, built a course before. So we yeah. hired him to, to come in and, and help us. And like anything else, we didn't really know if people would like it or hate it. And if people hated it, we would have just refunded everyone and moved on. But we essentially broke down our interview process, onboarding process, training, managing all of that, along with different SOPs. And over the years, we just kept adding to it. And now it's become a, a membership where people get access to all our systems and processes that they get to plug into their business and quickly make better hires, improve their hiring percentage, retain people. And it's been a lot of fun seeing the reviews of people who are finally able to, to scale their business because the truth is you can have a, a great business idea. You can be a good entrepreneur. You can be good at marketing, but if you can't hire, you're, you're only going to go so far. Yeah. There, there's very few seven, eight figure entrepreneurs that are solo entrepreneurs doing it all themselves. You, you're going to have to hire people. And I always wish back in the day, there was someone that said, Hey, don't do this. This is how you hire good people. And that would have saved me tens of thousands of dollars and, and a whole lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, one of the things with, with you teaching people about how to do virtually, it allows the e-commerce person in the middle of the U S Canada, wherever the heck they want to, to hire the best people they can rather than the best people around them. Because that's, that's one of the things that we really noticed with some of our clients is that the ability to hire virtually how the pandemic changed that the virtual hires and then virtually around the globe uh, when you really understand that it gives you some distinct advantages yeah i mean i i was one of those people i, I was working from home before it was cool to, to work from home or work remote and hiring remote same thing i mean we opened up an office back in um 2012 ish and that was one of the worst business decisions we ever made and after a year we got rid of it and we went back to remote and, and we kind of it kind of fits our lifestyle and 
any company we start is going to be remote going forward. And, and yeah, I mean, hiring remote is different. You have to manage people differently and talk to people differently and use tools like Slack and, and email differently. And, and it does take some getting used to, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it does open you up to a whole nother just stratosphere of, of hiring. I mean, why limit yourself to your town or the towners around you when you can open it up to everyone in the US or everyone in the Philippines or wherever you're hiring from? So there's a lot of benefits to, to doing that. And I mean, hiring good people makes you look good. I wouldn't have been able yeah. to grow free up to $12 million a year and sell it without good people. And same thing with the companies we run now, like Econ Balance. I'm not a bookkeeper. If I wasn't able to hire good bookkeepers, um, that would only go so far. Yep, that's for sure. That's for sure. And you you make that great point because it, it it does. It doesn't matter if you're trying to hire across the other side of the state or across, around the globe. Once you're virtual, you're virtual and it allows you to draw upon that talent and the best talent. And and in a lot of a lot of cases you can have the the time frame I think in e-commerce is actually quite nice if you're using somebody that's off of your time frame because you can process things overnight that allow you to get um, information back to the customer by the next morning. That's, that's pretty nice as well. Yeah. A lot of people look at time zones as a, something that hurts your business, but you can use it very strategically. Like with free up, we had 24 seven customer support. People would work throughout the yeah. night. They'd work weekends. Um, even now we have people that get on at 1am till 10am and set everything up for our bookkeepers. They get a head start to the day. So you can do it very strategically. And if you don't want to do that, we have a whole team that works mountain time and they're in the Philippines and you just have to be a little picky and, and make sure you hire people that have done that before and, and want that kind mm -hmm. of schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I interviewed uh, a gentleman last year that has a large uh, in, injection, a plastic injection mold making company in Canada. And they have an engineering division in India because they can engineer 24 seven or 24 hours a day. I don't know if they go seven days a week all the time, but they can they can engineer that much faster and deliver those molds that much quicker. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So as we're going through this, then you decide what really changed your, your focus to get into accounting? Yeah. I mean, we, when we ran out to our school, we kind of said, Hey, this is the last thing we're going to do with virtual assistants and freelancers. We've been in that space for a while and we want to do something different, but we're not sure what, and outsource school is kind of like our training on how to hire good people. And, and we're out of that yeah. space, but we started consulting with some different e-commerce businesses and we, my business partner, Connor, and I learned pretty quickly that we hate being consultants, so we'll never do yeah. that again. Uh, but the common theme was before we could help people make decisions, we needed to revamp their monthly bookkeeping process because they didn't have accurate numbers and you can't make good numbers um, off decisions, off, off bad numbers, or you can't make good decisions off bad numbers. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this is a lesson we learned back with our Amazon business when we tried yeah. doing the books ourselves and we tried dumping it on a bookkeeper that didn't know e-commerce. And so we kind of knew the, the the ins and outs of that. And when we started FreeUp, one of the best decisions we ever made was hiring a bookkeeper from day one because we the month would end. Within 10 days, we'd get a monthly report. We'd make decisions off that report. When we went to sell the company, we had four years of immaculate books to, to pass due diligence. Yeah. And you know all about that. And yeah. so that kind of gave us the idea, what if we started an e-commerce monthly bookkeeping service? So we did a, a lot of market research. We interviewed hundreds of e-commerce sellers. You can actually check out those interviews on, on the Econ Balance blog. And 
um, yeah, we, we just learned a lot about competitors and what people care about and, and, and what people currently use for bookkeeping in the space. And we saw a market and like anything else, we had to hire that initial team and, and do a beta run. We gave out some free months of bookkeeping to people that would give us a chance and people that trusted us from the, mm -hmm. the free up days. And now we're kind of at the point where we have a hundred clients and a solid team of 10 bookkeepers and, and growing from there. So it's kind of been a fun eight to 12 months getting this thing off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So as you're helping these e-commerce, these e-commerce clients with this, what are, what are some of the systems that you see that these people are using that break, you know, that you go, Oh, it's, it's just not working well. What are some of the areas where you see them having challenges? I mean, first of all, an entrepreneur and e-commerce seller should never be doing their own bookkeeping. I, first of all, it's not a good use of your time and, and your time should be better spent growing your business. And second, most entrepreneurs have no idea how to do bookkeeping at a high level and cleanup always costs more than just doing it correctly mm -hmm. from day one. And I can't tell you how many books we get that are done by the entrepreneurs that we need to, to fix everything. So it, you got to get in the mentality that anytime you start a company, bookkeeping is a necessary resource, whether you outsource it or hire it internally or, or whatever it is, but you shouldn't be doing it yourself. And step two is hiring an e-commerce bookkeeper, someone who understands accrual, someone who understands how to connect A2X to Amazon or Shopify and, and actually get the, the reports to reconcile and not just take the money deposit into your bank account and put that as the top line of your income statement. And also inventory and cost of goods sold. That's a, a big piece of it as well. So, I mean, a, a big thing is finding a, a bookkeeper that can be on time every single month. You should have a monthly finance meeting on your calendar, like clockwork that you don't miss for any meeting around the, the mid 15th mark of each month. And you need a bookkeeper that provides you accurate books before that so you can make decisions. And that's what's going to take your business to the next level. Like how good books is good for, or having clean books is good for taxes. It's good for selling your company or getting investments. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't necessarily get investments or sell their company. The The main thing is about making good decisions and everything else is just an added benefit. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So do you see some of your clients, uh, once they get to the good, you know, monthly books, are they trying to get more, more uh, periodic, like weekly uh, weekly snapshots of how they're doing. So our core service is monthly bookkeeping. We charge people okay. on the first, they get their books by the 15th. If people want certain things weekly or PNLs weekly or whatever it is, we can do that. It's just an add-on service. It's pretty mm -hmm. easy, but every business I've run, I've always done it monthly. That, that doesn't mean you can't track sales weekly or have KPIs you do daily. Um, mm -hmm. But monthly books is kind of the standard. And alternatively, you don't want to do it every quarter, every half year or dump it oh, on yeah. your CPA at the end of the year. Um, that's not going to allow you to make decisions fast enough. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. So let's see. I got a few questions here that I was looking at, but the, uh, what are you seeing from some of your current clients now? You know, we, we talk about the slowing economy. We talk about the other things. Are, are your, your clients seeing some of that in certain sectors, not in others across the board or not seeing it at all? Sorry, can you repeat that again? You, you cut out for a second. Okay, so the the current um, people are talking about we're having an economic slowdown, however you want to say it. 
uh, are, what are you seeing across your clients? Are there certain sectors that are affected more? Are there certain, you got some that are going strong yet or, or what's it looking like? Yeah. I mean, there's a certain amount of randomness to it. And to be honest, yeah. I'm not the one in all my clients books. Like I, I bookkeepers yeah. that do it. So I don't know yeah. if every client's had a good month or a bad month or, or anything like oh, yeah, that. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, they, it's all over the place. You get people who are struggling and need financing. You get people that the COVID was good okay. for them or the pandemic didn't really affect them at all. But I, I'm not sure there's necessarily a, a common thread out or theme outside yeah. of it's harder to sell on Amazon. Amazon's changed things. Logistics inventory is always harder than it's been before. Margins are yeah. going down. PPC costs are going up. But I mean, if you have a strong brand and a strong business, that won't really be affected. Yeah. So what are the, what are some of the benefits that you see right away that people are talking about once they start getting their books timely and, and, what are some of the things that you see actual increasing in profitability because they're making better decisions or what are some of those things that you see? Yeah. I mean, once you get the, once you get in a good monthly rhythm rhythm, that's where you can target things. Hey, my margin's going down and you're comparing it to the last month and the same month last year. And you can make decisions there. You can locate expenses that maybe you can cut. Maybe you've had subscriptions that you don't need anymore. You can buy mm -hmm. things up front for the year and, and save money. Maybe you realize that you can hire more people or that your payroll is going up faster than sales. So you can make adjustments there, but kind of looking at everything on a monthly basis and comparing kind of opens up a lot of avenues for you to make tweaks to your business that you wouldn't otherwise be able to make just by looking at sales or money going, going into your bank account. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. So are you seeing that more e-commerce companies and I, and we'll talk a bit too about accounts balance but are you seeing that more e-commerce companies or e-commerce sellers are more i try to say um quicker to look at outsourcing their accounting now than they were in the past yeah i mean i think it it's pretty standard now to have a bookkeeping service and have a cpa and have them communicate um i, I it, it all depends like there's people that go there's people who have never outsourced bookkeeping before and they always have it internally and there's seven eight figure entrepreneurs who've never hired a bookkeeper in their life and they've outsourced it in every single business they've had and and there's combinations yeah. of both so I'm not sure how much has necessarily changed. I mean, back when I started like e-commerce bookkeepers weren't really a thing. There were bookkeepers and you kind of had to hope that they had a little e-commerce experience or had another client that sold on Amazon. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, I, I think that it's a huge market, which is one of the reasons we got into it and it applies to every business. And it, it's kind of like hiring. If you can't hire or, or you can't understand financials, you, you're only going to go so far as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. So accounts balance, you guys started, you had econ balance. It's been going for a while now and you just started accounts balance not too many months ago. Was that because you saw similar things in another industry or, or what, what was really the, the spark that got you guys going there? Yeah. I mean, we, when we launched econ balance, we were getting lots of referrals and people that knew me in the past or people saw me posting on social media um, saying, Hey, can you help my company? I'm not e-commerce. And I think the name kind of threw them off. So we started up yeah. a separate team and a new brand accounts balance for non-e-commerce businesses. I mean, the truth is e-commerce is one of the toughest kind of bookkeeping. Um, if you can oh, yeah. do that at a high level, it's fairly easy to build systems and process to, to do other types of bookkeeping uh, there. So I mean, it's a brand we opened up a few months ago. It's been growing. We, we work with a lot of clients and 
the beauty of it too is we have a good referral program. So you hire, you get like an agency as a client and they refer their clients and their bookkeeping becomes cheap or free. And mm -hmm. it's a lot of win-win relationships. So um, oh, it's been fun awesome. kind of running two brands and, and marketing for both things at the same time. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, outside of the accounting in, in the, e I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit, but back into Ecom Balance, outside of the accounting, the clients that you're talking with, what are some of the common mistakes that you see e-commerce sellers <coughs> making right now? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so I have a, actually a bunch. I just did a presentation on that. So let me pull that up and make sure. I didn't awesome. We talked to, awesome. we talked about a few. So I have doing bookkeeping yourself, which we talked about. Yeah. Um, using your CPA for bookkeeping. You have to remember. Oh, that. that's horrible. That's horrible. Because people don't, most people don't realize CPAs are really good for doing taxes or other specialized things. But as a bookkeepers, they stink. No, and I should say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that for everyone, but as a rule, it's they're not, they don't do it every day. That's yeah. And there's plenty of CPAs that, that might be good at bookkeeping, but the yes. real issue is they, they do it in a way that's accurate for taxes, which is fantastic, but not necessarily in a way that's good for you to make decisions each month. Yes. And the other issue is they have their own busy season. So you want a monthly bookkeeper that is on time every single month. That's tough to do when during April's tax season and during October's extension. So it, it's tough to have that. And it's always good to divide and conquer and keep people what they're good at. The bookkeeper is good at monthly bookkeeping. CPA is good yes. at taxes. Um, and the CPA usually costs more than the bookkeeper anyway. So you kind of save money there. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah. What else you got? You got a list here. This is awesome. Yeah. So we, we mentioned doing books yearly or quarterly instead mm -hmm. of monthly. So we talked about that already. Um, using the right tools. So QuickBooks or Zero should be the only accounting software you consider. There's free ones that are, that are out there. They're, yeah. they're free for a reason. They're only going to go so far and you're going to have to migrate over anyway. Or you might use a, a company called Bench that uses their own in, uh, bookkeeping software that's not compatible with anyone. And if you want to switch down the line, that, that's a nightmare too. So things to, to keep in mind. And if you're an e-commerce business, you need a connecting tool like A2X um, to connect to Amazon, to, to connect to Shopify, um, or you'll never get accurate uh, statements. You'll never get it to match your bank. So that's like your core setup as an e-com business, either QuickBooks Online or Zero. And yes, you need the online version because this is to the 2022, you're probably not having someone go into yeah. your office. Um, and then that, that connecting tool as well. And the other side of the setup is use business banks that allow view only access. You don't have to download statements every month. Don't use personal accounts that you, those don't allow view only access. Um, don't intermingle personal and business, pretty standard mm -hmm. stuff like that. But in my opinion, the simpler is the better. You usually don't need 20 bank accounts to, to run your company. Yeah. Yeah. And you made, you made a great point there. You went over it quickly and what most e-commerce sellers don't realize is as you scale, that connecting tool is going to save you tremendous amount of time and hassle by getting your, your platform and your orders connected to your, your accounting. There's right. a lot of data has got to move around. Got to move Absolutely. around. Good, good stuff. So as you look forward to 2023, what are you excited for, Nathan? Yeah, um, I'm. I don't know. Life life's pretty good right now. I get to do what what I like. Uh, growing businesses, it's a lot of fun, and and it's definitely less stressful than it was in the past. But also just having a, a good work life balance. You and I were chatting about this before. Um, selling free up allowed my wife and I to become foster parents. We have a, a foster kid who's in high school right now. So it's been kind of fun setting allowance and helping him apply for jobs and 
hopefully helping him. And a lot of times you, you take for granted things that um, you just had in life. Like I had loving yeah. parents and we didn't grow up rich, but we had food on the table and a, a house yeah. to live in. And not everyone had those opportunities. So it's been fun to, to give back while also be able to take a lot of vacations like we did this year. And I told you my whole family moved here to Colorado and my sister just bought a house in Fort Collins. So I get to um, hang out with them. And before that I was in Florida and my sister was in Seattle and my parents were Massachusetts. So we couldn't have been farther away. So it's been a lot of fun to just be around family. And, and I live 10 minutes from my business partner and life's pretty good. So it should be a, an exciting 2023. Good, good. Well, I tell you what, Nathan, it's been awesome talking to you today and just talking about e-com balance, accounts balance, and, and you know how you're helping these e-commerce sellers scale their companies by providing good, solid accounting behind it uh, so they can make the decisions they want. Um, is there anything that, well, let's see, first of all, where is the best place for people to talk to you or e-com balance or or yeah. Balance. I mean, feel free to connect with me on any social media channel, Nathan Hirsch, um, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Um, but yeah, econbalance.com mention this live. You'll get two free months of bookkeeping. You can check out outsource school, shoot us an email right on the site, support at outsourceschool.com. And we'll give you 40% off if you're interested in joining that and accounts balance. If you're a non-e-commerce business, same deal. Um, and yeah, I love just networking and connecting with other entrepreneurs. So feel free to, to reach out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here today, Nathan, and sharing sharing about uh, the e-commerce accounting. We're talking a bit about scaling and selling e-commerce businesses. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back again later this week with another Faces of Business. Hang out, Nathan. We'll talk for a moment.